0: Elevate Daniel to the top Uh, and for four kings when you're in captivity all see you in the same light has a lot to say about that person, right? What kind of person they must have been. I just think Daniel would have been one of the most likable guys ever Um, and everybody loved him. Uh, You read through the Bible, read through Daniel, and one thing that you come out of is that you can't find any dirt on this man. I mean, nothing. And that's not the case with most of God's people. I mean, God's people in the Bible are amazing. I mean, we could talk about Paul and how amazing Paul was, but there's a lot of dirt on Paul, right? We could talk about, you know, Abraham, which is the father of faith. I mean, Abraham is like huge in our um, relationship with God and, 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 you know, in the Word of God. Uh, But he had that Hagar incident, you remember. We could talk about Moses, but, you know, he didn't even make it out of out of the wilderness uh, because of some disobedience. We could talk about David, but he committed adultery and murder. And yet he's known after a man after God's own heart. I mean, it's not like he was a, a bad man. We could talk, you know, about a bunch of them, Noah and Job and... On and on and on we could go, but the thing is is that we look at these amazing men, and they're amazing men, but you could find some kind of dirt on them. But when you look at Daniel, I mean, there's no reason that this verse that we are just beginning to look into has him being elevated to the top. And why? Because he had an excellent spirit, an excellent spirit. This is a little bit more in this. So verse 3, it says, And Daniel became distinguished above all of the high officials, satraps, because of an excellent spirit within him, and the king planned to set him above the whole kingdom. Can you imagine what that would have made everybody else, all those officials and satraps around him, feel? That this guy that we, you know, brought as a prisoner is now the king, has favored him above all of us? There would have been a lot of jealousy, don't you think? And that's why the next verse, verse 4, it says, And the high officials and the satraps sat, sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could not find no ground of complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or a fault was found in him. There's just nothing. You think they didn't search high and low for some dirt on Daniel? Just to come up with something that would work? And they couldn't find anything. In verse 5 it says, Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaining against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now why do you think they said that? Because they knew how important his God was to him. And how he followed God on everything. And if we're going to find anything to complain about, we've got to somehow connect it with his relationship with God. Who does that sound like? Doesn't it sound like Jesus? I mean, John chapter 19, verse 4, they finally figure out how to get Jesus before Pilate. And Pilate, you know, went through his whole uh, situation of trying to find something, you know, against Jesus. And this is what verse 4 says. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I have found no guilt in him. And neither could they, right? But yet they holler, crucify him, crucify him. Let the prisoner go, the one who actually deserves to be on the cross. Let him go and put Jesus up there. And and Jesus was full of goodness. And he did not die as a criminal. He died as a good man, right? And of course, more than just man, he was God. But Daniel... 6 Verse 22, it tells us that the beginning, you know, are actually kind of the end of that story of the story that we know the most about Daniel, which is Daniel in the lion's den. And at the end of that scenario with Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel himself says why God delivered him from those lions, why the lions didn't eat him up, right? This is what Daniel said, because, according to Daniel, I was found blameless before him. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you wish that you could be good like that. Because that's what I wish. I mean, I wish that I was better than I am. What would it have been like to be Daniel? I mean, to be a, a good man. To be known from everywhere that you're a good man. From your enemies that look into your life, they can't find anything about you that is like any complaints about you. If any way you deal with other people, any way that you deal with you know, situations, and, that, and everybody, just, everybody just wants to elevate you in their talk, in their speech, in, in, in you know, conversations, but also in work and, and everything else. I don't know about you, but do you feel like, man, I wish I was good like that? I know that God loves the upright. You know that too, right? When God looks down and when he sees us being good, and we have a good heart that He is super pleased with that, so pleased that often He is He is wanting it to be known how pleased He is with that. Just like Job, remember, even the conversation He's having with Satan, He says, "Hey, have you noticed my servant Job?" I mean, God wanted everybody to uh, to, to see that kind of behavior that He as a He. Loves that kind of behavior. In Genesis 6, and there's all kinds of these verses about his people because he loves to see people who are upright. But in Genesis 6, verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Now, when it tells us these things, you know, like that the people are righteous and blameless... It's not to the same extent that we find Daniel, because we already talked about that, that there was a lot of dirt that could be found, you know, in like Noah. We know that uh, he couldn't keep his clothes on, right? But yet God looked down and he was pleased that he had a good heart and that he continued to walk with him. Continue to strive to be good. Luke chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all the the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And this is talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? They both were righteous and upright people. They had a good heart. There was goodness that was found in them. But again, they weren't perfect, were they? I mean, he was even silenced until John was born because of, of his uh, not believing. I don't, I'm going to say something that probably isn't the most godly thing. But I'm a little bit encouraged that most of these people have dirt on them. When I do read about Daniel and that nobody could find anything, it's a little bit like, man, can I really learn from somebody that good? Because I'm not that good, right? But when I look at the other people that God just, he he saw that there was goodness within them. And he wanted that to be known. It is a little bit encouraging that they weren't perfect people. I want to be like them. And if you know me, you know that that's true. I'm not like lying to you when I say that. I want to be like them. But if you know me, you also know that I am not, you know, like them and that I'm not perfect and that I have a lot of dirt. If we made a list and we're not going to today, okay? But if we were, I think I could fill a few pages, right? But I want to have a good heart. And that's one of the things, the reasons that we are walking through this and we're going to look at Daniel because I have no doubt that not only do I want to have a good heart, but I bet you want to, too. And sometimes we just have to have our hearts renovated. We just have to let the Holy Spirit have his work within us and to help us in this area. I want to please God. You know why I want to please God? Because I want to please God because... I want to please God. Like, like, I want to satisfy God. I want God to be happy with me when he looks at me. But the other reason I want to not only decide I want to satisfy God, but I also want to please God with a good heart because he blesses people with a good heart. That's one thing is in every one of these people that I just mentioned, especially Daniel, right, But that God is always blessing people that are striving to have goodness within them. An excellent spirit is what we're talking about. And so here are two ways Daniel grew his excellent spirit and two ways that we can also. Okay, two things. The first one is that I see in here is an excellent spirit is developed when we continually, and that's the key word here, that's the word I want us to look at, but when we continually serve our God, that's how an excellent spirit is developed within us. And so if you have any desire like me that you want, you know, some renovation, but also you want to have an excellent spirit, this is the first way that you have it, is that you, you have to have this continual serving of our creator. I want you to look at this verse with me uh, in chapter 6, verse 14. And we're just going to read through this so that you kind of get a sense of, of the context around this. But in verse 14, it says, Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Heard what words? Remember, they were out to find some fault in him. And so you know the, probably know the story, but, but Daniel prayed to his God every day. several times a day he would pray to his God. It was no secret that he loved his God. Even, remember, the officials and the satraps, they knew that if we're going to find any fault, it has to be with his relationship with his God because that's one thing he would never, he he would not break that. And so they, this guy, I mean, came up with this trick, this plan, for Daniel would have to decide, are you going to be obedient to the, the law of the king of the land, are you going to be obedient to your God? And that's what they put Daniel up to. And Daniel obviously was, when it comes to that, he was going to be obedient to his God. This is the way he always was, right? I mean, it's not the way he just became. He was always this way uh, from the very beginning of Daniel. And so when the king found this, because the king... L- liked Daniel so much, he was going to put him at the top of the list, right? He liked him so much, this really disturbed him. So let's go on from there. He says, and he labored till sun went down to rescue him. He really, the, the king did not want to hurt Daniel in any way. And these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, now, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king's established can be changed. And the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. Now a whole lot of emotion, a whole lot of action, a whole lot of time would have passed between those verses, right? But the king didn't see that he had any choice in in the matter. He would have lost his kingdom and his people and and all kinds of chaos, and so he did what he hated to do, and that is to put Daniel and lions in lion's den. And the king declared to Daniel, now this is the first part I want you to see. This is the king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Now I just want you to remember that. I want you to highlight that if you highlight stuff in your Bible. And circle that word continually because that's so vitally important. And then we'll go on and it says, And, and a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the, of the den, and, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his, of his lords, and nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. So his fate was sealed, basically. And the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No divisions, diversions were brought to him. No diversions were brought to him. And sleep fell from him. And Daniel, you know, Daniel was a genuine friend, right? No sleep for the king that night. No interruptions for the king that night. And then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the, the den of lions. And he came near the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, and this is the second part I want you to see, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, and there's that word again, right? Continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Can you imagine those words? He probably wasn't expecting words at all, right? Other than what comes out of a lion's mouth when he's full. And he heard these words. Anyway, Daniel's excellence of his spirit is definitely connected to his desire to continually serve his God. The king saw that. He mentions it twice, right? It's not just like, one time, it'd be hard to have this conversation with you, but he mentions it twice in the same little section. And if we were to travel all the way through the four kings that Daniel served, one of the things that you would definitely come out with is that every one of these kings realized that Daniel, he continually serves his God. And continually Doing anything is a good thing, right if you are in athletics and you continually do this over and over this reputation over and over and over, eventually you get pretty good at this thing and it 's the same way with anything in our relationships if we continually to do something that is positive and good you know like the way we greet people uh you know compliment people or something it ends up becoming we become good at it and not only do we become good at it but it develops goodness within us right and that's definitely what happened here with Daniel his reputation of continually serving his God was a reputation that was always in his life that's why there was no dirt found in him There was this this consistency, right? The synonyms for continually, I'm going to give them to you. When you continually do something, it means that you're doing it regularly, right? I don't think that's as strong of a word, but it's a good word. It means that you're doing it frequently, right? It means that you're doing it constantly, uh, unceasingly. That's a good word. Now, how often do people who are continually serving God, how often do they meet for worship? Regularly, don't they? They meet with, they meet with God's people and God um, uh, uh, frequently, consistently, uh, unceasingly. That's why it tells us, like in the New Testament, how often did, was the, the church, when it first was established, what does the Bible say how often they met? They met regularly, every week. You know, and every time they met, they broke bread and they did these things. Why? Because there's something about doing something regularly that develops something within us. And when you're doing something regularly, as far as like serving your God on a regular basis, consistently, continually, it makes a difference within us. Just like if you've ever experienced that, like you're doing something regularly, like you are... How often do people who want an excellent spirit... Well, I'm going to say that again. So how often do people who continually serve God pray? Frequently, don't they? Oftenly. Oftenly. How often do people who are continually serving God uh, read his word? Or love the unlovable? I mean, it's always going to be the same answer. If they're continually serving their God, it's going to be on a regular basis. It's going to be, going to be a habit in their life. And when we do that, goodness is developed within us. And if you've ever done that, like if you've, if you've read God's Word on a continual basis for a long period of time you will find, it might happen somewhat slowly, but you will find that goodness is starting to come out in your thoughts, in your life, in your actions. It's beginning to make a difference. And it can happen so gradually that maybe you don't even notice it, but then stop it. And all of a sudden, negative thoughts, negative behavior... You know, negative conversations begin to have in your life. It's the same way with coming to church. You know, like if, if you are a regular tender, let me tell you, you, uh, you know the power of goodness in your life becoming just coming together like this on a regular basis, because as soon as you stop and you miss a, a couple Sundays, you just start feeling it. You begin to feel this weight upon your soul, and it's not a weight of goodness that is in you. it's the opposite. And you realize that there is something about this continually serving my God that, that encourages and develops goodness. And that's one of the places that Daniel always had goodness and the reason there is no you know, dirt found on him because he continually did this from ever since he was a child. He continually deserved his God. Here's the definition of goodness, by the way, from my Bible um, uh, uh, Logos, my Bible program, but this is what it says. Goodness, the quality of moral excellence, especially as a quality that is not stagnant. I like that, right? Because what does that mean? If, if it's a quality that's not stagnant, it means that it's moving. We know what stagnant water is, and we also know what stagnant water creates. But actively working itself out to, It's it's something that is in the process of continuing goodness. And where does goodness come from? It means it comes from continually serving our God. It's so important. That's why it's so important. Sometimes we think, well, is it really that important that we're here? Yeah, it's really that important that we're here. Is it really that important that I pray today? Because I just don't feel like it. Yeah, it's really that important that you pray today even when you don't feel like it. Or reading God's word. Or, you know, loving the people that are hard to love in your life. It's really that important because every time that you continually to do these things, it is continually to create and developing goodness within you. And remember, goodness pleases our God. Goodness is blessed by our God. And I want both of those. Here's the second thing that we find in in ways people are developed you know, goodness within them. An excellent spirit is developed when we become more comfortable with not knowing. Daniel had to get really comfortable with not knowing everything, right? He wasn't clued in on everything. He didn't know how this was, when he was, when he was brought, you know, into Babylon, into this captivity, did he know how this was going to turn out? No. Did he know it was around every bend and, and, and corner? He knew nothing. And he knew the law before he knelt down to pray that day, right? He knew that this was probably going to get him in trouble. In fact, be my guess, since he was already way up there, he already knew that this was a trap, right? Did he know how it was going to turn out? Did he think, well, the king will just rescue me because he likes me the best? No, I don't think he knew that at all. I I think there was a whole lot of not knowing anything, but yet it seems like Daniel was just still comfortable going to his knees and still comfortable not knowing and having everything figured out. I think if you read through the book of Daniel, you didn't see this in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Did they know how that was going to turn out, The, the fiery furnace? No, in fact, one of my favorite scriptures in Daniel is just what they say, you know, uh, regardless if he rescues us or not when you throw us in this fiery furnace. This is paraphrased for sure, right? But, but regardless, if, he, if our God rescues us, we're going to serve him anyway. And there's this, that, that continual serving, but it's also just that comfortableness in their spirit of, I don't have to have this figured out. I don't even know if this is going to work out for my benefit or not. And that's a tough thing, isn't it? But let me tell you, goodness comes from that. The more comfortable we get with not having to have everything figured out, the more we give just the the um, uh, ground, the the soil for goodness to grow. And I just think that that's one of the things that is important. For it can seem somewhat uh, simple and easy, but it's not easy, is it? Being comfortable with the unknown. Because we are so, we're such control freaks, I am. I mean, it's easy to do something if I'm pretty certain how it's going to turn out. It would be easy for me to quit my job, not my job, I'm, this is hypothetical, just so, okay. <laughs> but to quit my job and do a, you know, a, a career change, because I feel like the Holy Spirit has you know, been leading me and guiding me but so often, it's not that people don't have those thoughts or they wrestle with those ideas, right? What they wrestle with is, man, if I do, that, what does that mean? You know, like, I don't know how that would work out. If I knew it would work out, like, if I could just see 10 years from now that that was a huge blessing for me, then I would do that. But, but we don't. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we feel compelled to, to share Jesus with, with someone, you know, like a friend or a family member or a coworker worker or something. We just, we just have this, we, we feel like the Spirit is really leading us to do this. So if, if we feel the Spirit is leading us, we feel like it's a good thing, why don't we do that? And I know that every one of us has felt this at some point, Right? We don't do it because we don't know how it will turn out, right? It could turn out really badly, and they just reject us and don't want to be around us anymore. Um, you know, we, could, we, we have this fear of like, oh, I might not say the right thing. What if I don't say the right thing? Or, you know, this doesn't turn out right. And, and it's such a crippling thing. The unknown is such a crippling thing that we know what's at stake. We know that what we're actually in the process of being led to do by the Spirit of God is to to rescue somebody from the lion's den, right? Because Satan, he is like a, first Peter, like a roaring lion seeking to devour. And we know that. We know that's what we've been delivered from, but yet it's such a paralyzing thought of not knowing what you don't know. And yet, the people that, that we admire the most are the people who are, end up becoming comfortable with the unknown. And the people that become comfortable with the unknown, there's just something about goodness that is developed in them. And I'm going to share with you why here in a minute, but I'll just kind of give you a sneak peek on it. It's because goodness, when, you, when goodness is coming out of your life, when there's this excellent spirit out of your life, you become a person who is more concerned about other people than you are about yourself. That's why you're good. You you, you, Seriously, you you are a good person. One of the main characteristics of them being good is that they're concerned about other things more than they're concerned about them. And Daniel was good. It's also why he was lifted high because everybody knew that he was always concerned about everybody else. That's why the kings, of all people, wanted somebody like that in the highest place, because they were more concerned about the king than they were about themselves. Why, why would God, though, because, man, that is a tough thing to be in, a tough situation to be in, to be asked to do something and yet asked to do it and not know how it's going to turn out but yet God loves to put his people, his children in that situation. Why does he love to do that? To torment us? Because it feels like he's tormenting us. Asking us to step out in faith and yet not giving us a picture of how it's going to turn out. Why would he do that? Because it is in those moments when our faith is tested that we are developed. And what's developed within us? Well, one of the major things that's developed in us is goodness is developed. You know, I I am learning, trying to learn, you know, just to realize that I'm not going to have very many answers when God asks me to do something. I'm not going to have it figured out. And I'm trying to also learn the power and the importance of letting him be in control instead of me being in control. In those times. And anytime I do, I'm never disappointed in in what is created within me and what comes out of me. He never disappoints me in that way. I have learned that people with good hearts they let God be in control instead of them being in control. Now, Daniel's name means God is my judgment. That's what Daniel's name. Uh, I, you know, in the Bible, and this, this is something that is, you know, characteristic of the Bible. But it, this seems like, you know, these these names are just kind of random. But then later, you find that they meant something, and that something was really important to what, you know, was beginning. And I, I just wonder how does that work out. I mean, how did, how did Daniel's mom know to name him? God is my judge. You know, I don't know, but, but that's what it means, and it's ironically enough, that is, that is exactly what's being played out here, right? I mean, Daniel is not concerned about how the king was going to judge him. In fact, he pretty much knew how the king was going to look at this, um, but he was more concerned about God's judgment, and when God judged Daniel, what did God say? I find him innocent, blameless. And that's what meant the most to him. That's a a challenge that we have just in and of itself. Now, Daniel was like what I told you is no dirt. He seems to be perfect. As far as I know, he was perfect. Now, Daniel, I think, had a couple advantages over us, though. And I want to mention those real quick before we move on. Because, you know, nobody else seems to be perfect. Um, Everybody else, it seems like you can dig some dirt on them a little bit. And I know that's definitely my case. And, and, I, and I started thinking about that for a minute, like, how is it that he was, because I was trying to come up with, like, how do we become perfect? And I think Daniel has some advantages on this. One of the advantages is that he probably, I can't prove this, but he was probably a eunuch. And you probably know what that is, but it means that he had no sexual desire because that sexual desire was taken from him. They had a little operation, and that was not an issue for Daniel. And I can't even tell you, would that not have been an advantage? I mean, wouldn't you think that if we could do that with some of our politicians, life would just be easier, right? There would be way less mistakes that would take place. But it's really the reality in every realm. How, how, How few... Uh, splits and families would there be? Of course, there wouldn't be any children, right? That would be the problem. But that's also the reason that we, we have to deal with this. Because God has created us to procreate, and he has blessed us with this ability to do it, and also pleasure that comes with it. But he wanted it to be kept, you know, within... The one man, one woman scenario, raising a family. But let me tell you, that has created more problems with people's goodness, because we're talking about goodness, and people's hearts than all things that I could think of. And Daniel didn't have to mess with that. Did he have an advantage? He had a pretty big advantage, if that was the case. And I'm pretty certain there's, there's more that leans towards that this is the case of Daniel than not um, that he was a eunuch. Here's another thing I think he had advantage of with over, and that is that he was a prisoner. His free will was taken from him, from the sense that he was ever since. So he was a kid, a little kid that they brought in, you know, to this captivity. He was always told what to do, and his answer to that always was what? Yes. You know, my my wife loves they kind of came from the south. Um Mississippi, that's where she was born. Is down in that area and actually she's born in Illinois, but she was raised in Mississippi for the most part when she was little. But she always has admired that uh, down there when when you're you tell your son to do something, what does he say? Yes, yes sir, yes ma'am. That's right. And she just like that's awesome, you know. Um, and can you imagine? I mean, if you're raised that way, that's just like that's the way it is. That's just how you you respond to these things. And, and if you were raised a prisoner, that's just the way you do things. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I will get right on that. You know, because there's no will. It, it reminds me of like when when we had a, a very active DOC ministry here, and I was sitting around a table with these ladies and. And when they got out, it was so hard because the temptations just picked up right where they left off. And, and, and even though they spent a long period of time in jail and you thought, well, you know, they went through all of that detox and, and stuff, they probably will make it this time. And then they would just be right back in. And some of them would say to me, one lady in particular would, would say to me, Mike, I just want to go back. And this is after she's out, you know and we're studying. I just want to go back because it's easier. And it is because somebody else is making those decisions for you. Somebody else is saying, nope, that's not going to happen. And, and you just know that that's, that's exactly what it is. It's not going to happen. And it's just easier. She's been out for a long time, by the way, and is doing, I think, as far as what I've heard last, doing great, raising a family, a good marriage, and I'm excited for her But I understand that, right? And so I think he had those two advantages over us. Daniel did. But I'm going to now share with you like a third point, not a point that comes from the scriptures of Daniel, but a third point because it's an advantage we have over Daniel, and it's bigger than those. Can you think of anything that's bigger than the two advantages I just shared with you about Daniel? Yeah. We have Jesus. And and not, not only, like... Had Jesus, we really have him. And I want to share with you why. In John chapter 16, verse 6, listen to what it says here. This is Jesus talking, and Jesus says, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. And why does sorrow fill the heart? Because he just shared with them that he is going to die and leave. You think they weren't sad? If had, We didn't get a chance to walk with Jesus in the flesh, the Jesus in the flesh we didn't get a chance to walk with. But we have studied these scriptures over and over and over for enough years that we know that that must have been amazing. They didn't want to lose that. That relationship, that strength, that he makes me good kind of scenario, because he took every one of these people and transformed them from top to bottom He brought the good out of these men. And and they didn't want to lose that. And so Jesus knows that their heart was filled with sorrow. But look in verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. How is something more advantageous than having Jesus Christ in the flesh, right? But this is Jesus, and he doesn't lie. We know that. He truly believed. And not only does he not lie, he's truth, so he's always right. So not only did he believe, but he also is telling us the truth here. He says, it is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He, he What he is literally saying is that the helper is more important to us than him himself. Now, you have to just... Let that sink in a little bit. Like, how is that possible? And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Why is that important? Because the helper is going to help us become good. The helper is going to be the, the best advantage the world was ever known to be transformed into an excellent spirit and so that's my third point is an excellent spirit is developed through yielding to the holy spirit through just letting the holy spirit have his way in us to work in us because we cannot just as i was trying to share with you at the beginning of this we can learn some things from daniel and these things are really important, that goodness will be developed in us as we continually serve our God. And goodness will be developed in us as, you know, as, as we, um, um, oh my goodness, how did I lose my train of thought? What's our second point, people? Comfortable with the unknown. I don't, I, yeah, whatever. It, it, it's developed in us, but, but there's nothing, we can't, we can't become good on our own. We will fail miserably, but what we can be is yielded to the Spirit who creates goodness in us. That's why in Galatians chapter 5, and here's where we're going to kind of end. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident: sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, Sensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. In other words, this isn't a full list here. And that's just where the heart goes. If the heart is just left on its own. That's what that's what happened to David. That's what happened you know, to all these other people that we can pick dirt up out of their life. It's not that they were bad people. They loved God, but the heart wanders. Doesn't it? And then I, he says this, he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, we are hopeless and helpless on our own because that's just what happens to us. But then he says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And one of those things that the Holy Spirit produces in people is goodness, and that's what we're talking about today. And we're going to actually, in, in some way or, or fashion, we will end up be going through all of these. That's where we get the nine sermons. But Daniel was a good man. When I think of goodness, I can't think of anybody that is more good than Daniel. And he had a couple advantages. Uh, you know, over us, but we have this one that is huge, and that was that we have God's Spirit, Jesus' Spirit living in us, guiding us, helping us, molding us, shaping us. Here's an encouraging verse I want to leave you with in Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that is so encouraging that I am going to try to be good today, and I'm going to try to be better tomorrow. And I'm going to do that by continually serving my God, by, con- by continually being comfortable with the unknown. But it's such a relief to know that it will be completed one day. Like, I won't complete it. I can't complete it. I will always remain imperfect all the way up until the day of Christ. But when Christ comes, I will be made perfect. And that's encouraging that I already know how this is going to work out. But it also is super encouraging that I have this spirit in me because I have a desire to want to be good. Right? Don't you? And we have this helper in us that's just going to continue to develop it's in us. And how is it, what is it that good people do? Good people always put others first. That's just, that's their goodness. That's like, that's why you say, man, they're a good person. Because they're always, you know, doing things like caring for the poor, you know, looking out for their neighbor, um, giving up their Saturdays to do stuff at the church. I mean, good people are just giving for others' sake. And the Spirit is the one who develops that in us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we are not left on our own to be good. Because we know how this would all turn out, and it would turn out really ugly. In fact, we've tried to do it on our own at times, and Even when you found us, you found us not that we were bad people, but that we had bad hearts. Because we just could not figure out how to develop this goodness within us. And and you have come, Lord, in your word and your Holy Spirit that lives in us and has made us better. And you continue to make us better as we continue to serve you and continue to trust you. In the midst of the unknown. Help us, Father, to be good. Renovate that area of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And more.
1: God wants you and I to have an excellent spirit. Aren't you glad that he wants us to have an excellent spirit? He does. He wants, through his Holy Spirit, to develop that each day of our lives. He wants us to become more like Jesus every day. And I'm going to read some scripture here that deal with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to begin with verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And I can't help but throw in a little side note here about Paul when he speaks about what is unseen. Because we know uh, if we went into 2 Corinthians 12, he speaks about a man who 14 years ago was taken up to paradise. And he tells us a little bit later on that he's speaking about himself. And he heard things that are inexpressible so he couldn't tell us what he heard because it's inexpressible but it was something that really made an impression on Paul he knew there was something much better in his future because of God so uh, as he says here outwardly we are wasting away now some of us older folks here can relate to that I had coffee the other morning with Mike. We were sitting out on my golf cart in our front yard. And he said, man, my legs do not work like they used to. Now, Jeremiah, you shouldn't make fun of your dad. Because he told me you like to do that. So anyway, I had to share with uh, Mike a little incident that I had that occurred a couple of weeks ago. Um, Bob... Cowan and Bob Creeble were working in a pasture over east of Mike's house, and I went over to see him, I had a bag of morels I was going to give to Bob, and in order to get from Mike's yard to where they were, I had to step over a fence, and it was a barbed wire fence, but the top wire was broken, so it was only about this high. Now, I didn't tell the Bobs that I did this, but when I stepped over, I hooked my the knee of my jeans on barb and ripped a hole in my good jeans, which really aggravated me. but uh I was telling Mike about it, and I think he was kind of amused that I had the same problem that he has now uh, there was a time I can remember I think I must have been a teenager, maybe in the early twenties, to go from the house to the barn. Rather than open the gate, I'd just jump the barbed wire fence. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Another issue that I have, and evidence of this wasting away, my wife is getting a lot of practice at uh, taking blood stains out of my shirts. My skin is thinner than what it used to be, and anytime I go out and work on fence or clear brush out, I come back with blood on my shirt. So. Now, I can tell you, uh, I've got a couple of friends. When we, we did have a really good day yesterday here at the church, and I've got a couple of friends that signed up on my list, but they said, I want to help, but I'm only good for about half a day. See, they can relate to what I'm talking about here. Like Gene says, this old age isn't for sissies. I thought I might get an amen out of somebody from that. <laughs> now, that, those verses that i read, that paragraph begins with the word, therefore. So, I think we need to go back and see what that therefore is there for. So, I'm going to read the paragraph preceding it, which begins with verse 13. It is written, I believe, therefore, I have spoken with the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Though outwardly We are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's the hope that we have. That hope that we are being renewed and that we are going to be lifted up someday with Jesus. And that's why we come to the table here. We come uh, to remember what he did for us. We have these emblems here, this bread that represents his body the juice that represents his spilled blood to help us remember the sacrifice that he made for each of us that we might be lifted up with him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do come to you with thankful hearts. We are so thankful that you do want us to have an excellent spirit. And Father, we just pray that uh, we might be of a spirit that we would allow you to do that in our lives, Father. We uh, are so thankful for Jesus, for his willingness to come for us. This we pray in his name, Father. Amen.